Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Hey guys, um, I know you're excited this morning to hear the message of the Lord, but I just want to let you guys know that Pastor Mark is not here with us today. He is in Virginia. Um, he is in the middle of his residency for his master's. So if you remember, say a prayer for him. If you know his number, text him and tell him that we miss him and we're praying for him. Amen. This morning, I want to introduce to you guys briefly our speaker. Okay. You, you, you know this person. She is one of our incredible, amazing leader here at Grace Capital Church. Let me tell you that. What I love about her is she is very passionate and she loves working with our youth. You know, she disciples them week after week with our youth ministry. Amen. Every Sunday, okay, she is on fire. She's like the energizer bunny, okay, welcoming every one of us, okay. And she is relentless in reminding us of all the church events so we could be part of that so we will not miss out. I think personally she is a dynamic and powerful and anointed speaker. But what I love most about her is that she loves Jesus. She's a worshiper. When I look at her, she just loves being in the presence of God. And I know she she listens to the Lord. And this morning, I am so excited. I know you guys are excited to hear from the Lord um, through the message that God has given her. Would you please help me welcome Victoria. Stay right there. Stay right there. Stay right there. Can we give a huge round of applause? I'm in announcement mode already. A huge round of applause. Um, This man has stood by me for years, encouraging me, believing in me, um, saying that he saw God in me, and I couldn't be here without leaders like you. So can I just say a huge thank you to you? I honor you. As a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ, thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. (laughs) And there's a couple other people I have to thank while I'm up here. I might not let go of the mic, guys. We should be prepared for this to go till 2. If you have brunch plans, text your friends, cancel them. We're going to be here for a while. Just kidding. There's a few more people I have to thank. Um, First is the incredible pastoral staff of this church. Can we give a huge round of applause for them? Pastor Mark, Pastor Richie, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Jorgen, um, Pastor Audra. These people have been just pillars of the faith to me, and I am forever in their debt. There's another young woman I have to call out real quick, Miss Kaylin Tuttle, who three years ago said, I think you're a preacher, and let me preach to a group of 25 youth, and that was the very first message I ever gave. And from that moment to this moment, Jesus has been increasing um, his call on my life through amazing people like her. So I have to say, thank you, Kaylin. I honor you. Thank you so much. Thank you so, so, so much. So guys, I know that I did not show up here this morning to say anything cute or convenient. I know that in and of myself, I have no capacity, but through Christ, I can do all things. So I'm, I'm hoping that you are not here to hear from me. I'm hoping that you're here to hear from God. Amen. And I believe that he has a very specific word for you. So if we could 
begin in prayer and just ask God, Jesus, just, Victoria can be a little bit much. Could you just, could you push her just out of the way a little bit? She means well, but sometimes the words don't always come out. God, could you just, could you just slide right in, God? Cause her to just step into the flow um, and, 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 and speak your word, your truth for, through her. Can we do that? So would you guys just extend your hands to me, bow your heads, God, and, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We love that we can be here. We love, of all the people on the earth, we are the most blessed forever, God, because we know you and we have you as our good father, as our savior, and as our king. God, please fill me up as your vessel, God, as an instrument to deliver your word in truth, God. Please allow me to be accurate to your word. Please cause your Holy Spirit to fill in all the places that I lack. And God, please, please let this word resonate. Let it not be, let it not be something that we look at and forget, but God, please cause it to transform us from the inside out. Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love being with you, Jesus. In your awesome name we pray. Amen, amen. Are we ready? Are we? Ooh, guys, we're not going to make it if I don't have response. Are we ready? Yes, 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 yes. All right, I'm diving in. Here we go. <laughs> guys, Second Peter 3, 17 to 18. Um, this is where I'm going to be tabernacling. This is where we're going to be camping out for the next few minutes. Um, I'll give you a second to get there. It's 2 Peter 3, 17 to 18. It's also up on the screen, and it says, You, therefore, beloved... <laughs> love that. Knowing this beforehand, be on your guard. Say, be on your guard. Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. So guys, we have been going through 2 Peter for a few weeks now, and we know, just like the beautiful intro video told us, that that Peter is an apostle of God, but not just any apostle. He is the apostle who Jesus said directly, on this rock, I'm building my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. That this is the person who literally in the flesh saw Christ. He says at the beginning, of Second Peter that we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so when you think about that moment in church history to this, you have somebody who is literally laying the foundation on which Christ would build the multinational, multi-generational, um, global movement of his saints taking dominion over the earth, right? Right? That's what we are, right? So if that's true, and this is the person who Jesus himself entrusted the care and the management of those early days of the church, and and this is his last statement to those believers. Peter is writing this in prison. He has, has received from the Holy Spirit that he soon will be departing this life and going to be with the Lord. So if, if that's true, and these are the, the, last, the last moments, the last days, the last weeks that he has, what do you think he would say? 
right? What do you think would be of importance? What do you think the person who is about to be with Christ and can only leave his words, his letters, his statements with that church to encourage them, to exhort them, to build them up, what kinds of things do you think he would say? So we have them. And it's the verses that we just read a few minutes ago. And there's a couple things that really blow my mind in this, in this passage that I, I'm just really excited to share with you. Um, in those last two verses, just like we said, he instructs the church of God to be on guard. To be on guard. On guard against what? On guard against what? Right? So... He says a little bit earlier in this chapter to be on your guard against the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. We just saw that in 2 Peter 3.17. Be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. What is Peter talking about? So he says a little bit earlier in the chapter, now know first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. So it says mockers are coming with their mocking, but for me, it's co-workers are coming with their nonsense. Relatives are coming with their skepticism. Those people on TV are coming with their garbage, telling me that my faith isn't real, that it's a lie, that things, because we, we see it, you know, rain in May and snow in December through April, if you live in New Hampshire, um, and be sunny in July, and that's the way it's always been, and that's the way it's always going to be. Nothing is going to change, but Peter says something differently. Can I see my next slide? But it escapes their notice that by the word of God, someone say word of God, but by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and by water, through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, when I point to you, that's your cue. All right, we'll try it again from the top. It escapes their notice that by the word of God, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But, yes, by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of destruction, for the day of judgment, excuse me, and destruction of ungodly men. So this blows my mind blows my mind, that by his word, the Lord created the earth out of water and by, wor- and by water. However, by that same word, God can now flip the script. It, just because we did water before and we're going to do water again does not mean that fire is not also a possibility. All things are available to God. Amen? So please, please catch this, that Hebrews 1.3 says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. So these mockers trusting the systems that he's already established, that just because he has formed the earth out of water, prepared the earth by water, does not now mean that when he says that fire is coming, that that's now not true. Catch that just a little bit? I can say it again. I can say it again. So I believe 
that God in his supremacy, just because a thing has been a certain way, doesn't mean it can't be a different way. So these people saying, well, we've never seen it. We have no proof. We're not necessarily sure. That does now not mean that God in and of himself, because he created all things, can now decide to do things a little bit different. Amen? Now, so that's really important, but there's something else I really want to make sure that's clear to you. It says, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Church, that's not you. And it's very clear at the beginning of my message that you understand fully that ungodly men, you do not qualify in the system that I have just described. Who knows that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, that they, they don't, they don't, they can't be rescinded, that once it's given, it, it stays. And so who's received the gift of eternal life in this room? Amen, right, right? That that's something that you do not have to factor yourself into. However, there is something really important that we're going to get to that, that I do believe is for us. See, now, the church at that time thought that Jesus was coming back, like, the next week. He left on Thursday, so maybe next Thursday he'll be back. Like, they really believed, praise God, that God was coming back relatively soon. And so when weeks started going by, and then months, and then years, and then some of their own apostles just through the passage of time or, or through persecution started passing away, they started getting a little nervous. They started saying in their hearts, well, is he going to come back? I mean, he said he was, but we don't see him. What's going on? And, and Peter is telling this church, is telling his church that that fear was causing them to question, to be susceptible to these same mockers when they told them, Jesus isn't coming back. It's not happening, just give up. And so that is part of the reason that Peter is so certain, is so clear, is so hard-pressed to tell his church to be on your guard. Now, why is this so important? All right, so why is being on our guard something that wasn't just for the church when Peter wrote this chapter, wrote these letters, but why is that so important for us today? I'd love the next slide, please. It says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So this part is a little bit, is a little, for me, this part is one of those parts in scripture where I thought I knew what it said and Jesus is like, no, you really don't. That's a little, ooh, that's, that's, I mean, kind of, but we, let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit, Victoria. Let's, let's dig a little deeper. Um, so if we could just look at that together for a second. It says, but the, ooh, I think a portion is missing. Oh, no. All right. Yes. Yes. The next one. No, it's all right. I'll read it here. It's all right. It's all right. Um, it says, but the verse says, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Someone say patient towards you. 
So let's think about this. The Lord is not slow about his promise. People ask questions when they read the Bible. When you read something, do you ask God a question like, Jesus, what does this mean? What is going on? This, I had one of these moments when I was preparing this message. Because it says, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, comma, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And that's when I started going, huh, because I already know that I've been given the gift of eternal life. Amen. I'm not going to perish. I'm not, I'm not in danger of hellfire in this way, right? So why would God then, why would God through the apostle Peter then say, the Lord is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, believer, child of God, person who's been redeemed with the blood of Christ, not wishing for any to perish, but for some, but for all, excuse me, to come to repentance. So if that's what Peter is saying, clearly the perishing I'm thinking of and the perishing that Peter is talking about are two different things. That if it's not a perishing towards death, hell, eternal condemnation, there's something else that Peter is referring to for the believer. Absolutely, this verse is 100% also applicable to the person who doesn't know Jesus, but there's a truth here for the church that I think we also sometimes miss. Amen? So I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this group of verses again, because I really, I really think that there's something here for us. And it says, but do not let this fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord, this is the next group of verses, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Say like a thief. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So Jesus, as I was connecting, as I was thinking about this part of the chapter, really connected these two ideas for me. That that little phrase, like a thief, I don't know if you've heard that anywhere else before, but I know that I have. Jesus talks about it multiple, multiple times when he's referring to his second coming. He says it also through the Apostle John in the book of Revelations to this church called Sardis. And these people are a hot mess. Like, God bless. They're trying, but there's just craziness going all over the place. They are not paying attention. Things are a little out of whack. And so you literally have John under the authority of the Holy Spirit, like, like, er, like, like right the, right the train, stop this ship. Like, let's get back on course. And when Jesus is talking to them, he says this, wake up. Someone say, wake up, wake up and strengthen the things that remain that were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed or perfect in the sight of God. So remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. Here's that phrase again. And you do not what, know what hour I will come to you. And so uh, I think a lot of Christians hear these things and they start going like, oh no, like I'm not, I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. Guys, this is a huge encouragement. I don't know about you, but when I read these verses and when I ask the Holy Spirit to explain them to me, it's not how dare you not have gotten your act together. It's 
I delay because I want a church that's perfect, that is ready to receive their bridegroom, that their acts have been completed, that the Lord delays for us. He delays to allow us the the incredible gift of his Holy Spirit to continue to transform and renew and make us pure in him that that is part of his delay. He delays so he doesn't catch us at unaware or, but ready for his arrival. And guys, this may not, this, you know, having this hope, I think we're all in, in our Christian lives. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that that's going to be awesome that day. But the scripture isn't saying that that's just a cute thought to hold on to, that that's a fire that's got to be burning every day right now. That that's something that lives inside you constantly, and there's a reason. And that reason is this. Not having that hope will cause people to do crazy things. Crazy, crazy things. I will prove this to you. So Jesus talks in Luke 1245. I should have said at the beginning of this, I do a lot of scripture. I'm working on it. I'm going to try to succinct it down. But things, if, if, if things seem a little like, oh, just raise your hand and I'll be like, oh, I'm going a little too fast. I'll, I'll back it up. I'll back it up. All right. So Jesus talks in Luke 1245 about a servant. So he talks about these servants in the context again of him coming back, but he says something so fascinating. He begins his his revelation to the apostles and to the people who are listening to him speak that, that how blessed is a master who finds his servants doing what he told them to do while he's away. It, it's almost like Jesus is looking for the person or looking for the people who are going to be faithful to do what he said while he's gone. He begins like that, and then he starts talking about a servant who says in his heart, my master is a long time coming. My master is not showing up. My master is delayed. I can do whatever I want. That literally the belief that my master is delaying long causes that servant to just do whatever he likes. And what does he end up doing? That belief causes him to beat his fellow servants, both men and women, and eat and drink and get drunk. How crazy is that? guys. Now, the servant (laughs) starts beating his fellow servants, getting drunk, carousing, not because he has a demon, not because there's some crazy affliction going on in his life. He starts with that behavior because he believes that his master is long in coming, that his master is going to delay. Jesus has like the flip side of this coin for us in 1 John 3, 3, and it says everyone who has this hope— Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Has this hope fixed on him and purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. Not as the Pope is pure. Not as some, you know, Christian leader is pure. Literally that same hope that when Jesus appears, we will see him and be like him. That person who has that hope fixed on them purifies himself in the same way, into the same action, into the same conduct, into the same works as Jesus does, as pure as Jesus is pure. I don't know about you. 
do, but I would like that for myself. That is something that I would like manifesting in my life. Amen. So this is something that, that again, for us as the church and also for unbelievers that, that church, you don't have to follow the madness of the crowd, what the world is doing. It's like, (laughs) it's almost like, like, it, it, it reminds me of that place in scripture where it says that, that, that let's just eat because tomorrow we die. Like there's no purpose. There's no greater purpose in living if you don't have a hope that there's something else coming. There's nothing to be accomplished right now that has any meaning if there isn't the belief that your, the, the, the things you accomplish for God right now will last into eternity. Not the nonsense that we're engaged in right now, but the things that are built on Christ as the rock, that that stuff remains, that Jesus has that as, as, as a testimony to how you lived, how we all lived, how we built his kingdom while waiting for his second coming. Amen. So that, that clearly energizes me, that, that that is a hope that once we have, that's easy to give to the world. The world is not necessarily looking for religion. Religion has failed them before. Religion has failed us before. <laughs> we know there's nothing there. But a hope that says Jesus loves you and is coming back for you, that you are not just living for today, but your life extends into eternity and there's purpose there, that there's something for you to accomplish, not just now, but in the future. That's a hope that will get people riled up. That's something that will cause them to lift their spirits and live differently. They're not wafting through life purposeless. They have a God and a Savior and a destiny. And that knowledge, again, so often we go about it backwards, asking people to change their behavior when there's no belief change that's happened. It's what they believe that drives everything that they do. So if you believe that you have a hope, that you have a purpose, that God is coming back from you, the way you live changes radically. There is nothing you cannot do when you believe that God is coming back for you and has a purpose and a plan for your life, period, the end. And that belief, guys, has to happen first. I think so often we're looking to people, again, and I do this myself, looking to people to change their behavior when they believe just as they've always believed, that maybe if they do good stuff, they do bad stuff, it doesn't really matter. That there's no, there's, there, there is no further purpose for them. That God is a God that's looking for them to earn his blessings and earn his love for them. And that is the opposite of our gospel. Our gospel is that while you did nothing right, Jesus was coming back for you and loving you. And if he could do it once, he'll do it again. Amen. All right. So how do we, oh my gosh, the time flies when you're up here, guys. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. So how do you stay on guard, church? Peter tells us. 2 Peter 3.13, but according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Somebody say that with me. Righteousness dwells. Righteousness dwells. Guys, this is my favorite part. When Jesus was preparing this message in me, he brought me to Revelations 21.1. You don't have to go there, but I just want you to listen to this. Then John, then, and John is saying this, then 
I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Guys, this is us. Amen? This is us. This is not, this is us. That we are that new city made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And that Jesus is coming in the flesh, not just to rule or judge or or demand our servitude. He's coming to dwell with us, live with us, dance with us, eat with us forever, church that we belong to him. There's just such ownership in those passages too, right? That like this God will be their God and those people will be his people. That we are all ready and will continue to be tied in covenant with this God forever. And church, that's how we stay on guard. Peter tells us, can we go to that very first slide, please? The very first um, 2 Peter 3, 17 to 18, those two verses at the very bottom of the chapter. And it says, But grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Guys, growing and learning about who he is, our Lord, the person who is our head the head of all things to the church, the one who is the decider and the final authority in your life, the one who rules over every situation and circumstance you find yourself in. We are learning about who he is as that and also as savior, that redeeming, delivering God that invades our mess, invades our chaos, invades our difficulty and saves us, delivers us, redeems us. And I believe the Holy Spirit even right now is causing that word as we are believing that God you are who you say you are and you are coming back for us that that is causing us to grow and increase in his grace and in his knowledge amen amen can I have the worship team please join me on stage so there's a special way that I want to end. First of all, I have to say a huge thank you. I couldn't have done this without you. You are the best church on the face of the earth the best, the best. Um, and, and I believe that Jesus has a uh, special, <laughs> we, we heard a word about praying the promises of God, right? So there's a promise that I'd love to pray over you all. It's in <laughs> Colossians 1.10, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So that, so that that's required, <laughs> grow, being filled in the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding is required to walk in the manner worthy of the Lord and to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So I'm going to pray that for us. But first, if you would all bow your heads. If you don't know this wonderful Jesus, there is no better decision you could make ever at any point in your life. And so I would love to pray with you. If you would just repeat after me under your breath. If you do not know this Jesus, 
<laughs> just say in your heart and with your lips, dear Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you are the savior of the world. Come to save sinful men and God, I qualify. I am a sinful man. But Lord, I believe that in your grace and your power, if I receive you, you'll accept me and you'll wash me clean. Bring me into your saving knowledge and we'll spend eternity together. So Jesus, would you do that for me? Would you come into my heart and into my life? Would you be my God and allow me to be your people forever? Amen. And please keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I, I'm, I'm going to pray Colossians 1.10. Father God, it is such an honor and a privilege to be with your saints. These are men and women of God endowed by their creator with the power and authority of heaven. That they speak and things happen, God. But there's only one way, and that's through your son, Jesus. I pray that the knowledge of his will, your will, and all spiritual wisdom and understanding be filled up in them, filled to overflow, filled to the brim, God, so that they may walk in a manner that is worthy and may be pleasing to you, God. That's what we want, to walk in a manner worthy of you and to be pleasing to you, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of you. We love you, Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 